Uh, did you end up being the first to kill something with it? Is that you? No, I was second. You were second? I was second. I was the first to dry fire it. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask that. Hey, and can we, can, can I talk about that in this? Sure. Because I, I, to me, I, I think it's a, a terrific testimony to the boat. Yeah, no, you can talk about it. In fact, tell us, tell us about it right now. I mean, and it was. What, what happened when it dry fired? What's that? What happened when it dry fired? Um, it went bang. <laughs> it was louder than normal. Um, no, I, actually, when when that happened, um, let me back up since Jeremy's recording this right now. So I, I've had a couple of buddies who have dry fired a bow in the heat of the moment while they're actually hunting an animal. And I feel like this was karma coming back to bite me because I gave those buddies like a rash, you know, just just absolutely teed off on them, you know, when they did that. And so I I was I, I had a decoy out and I had these antelope run right into my lap. Two of the smaller ones came 10 yards away from me. The two bigger ones were back at like 50 yards and on their way. But when I went to draw on them, the little ones were so close to me that it boogered them. And they, they all kind of ran out to about 60. And the first shot that I took, I, I shot at the biggest goat in the bunch. And he was in Kansas by the time the arrow got there. I mean, he just jumped the string so bad it was ridiculous. And they ran out to about 90 and I'm in full panic mode now trying to get everything done all at one time. And, and I was ranging, ranging, ranging. He stopped. I think it was a 90 yard shot. And I drew back, was just concentrating on getting the, the sight adjusted and everything, put the pin on him, let it go. And it just went kapow. And I was just like, what was that? You know, and I never saw an arrow fly or anything. And I immediately looked down because I felt something hit me in the leg. And I was like, what the heck hit me in the leg? And, you know, what was that noise? Did I hook something in the string or what did I do? And I didn't realize yet that it was a dry fire until I looked at my six arrow quiver and there were five arrows in it. And so <laughs> all of a sudden it dawned on me, okay, you just dry fired the bow. And I didn't know what had hit me at first. So I started going over it and it didn't derail it. Everything looked okay. And finally what I figured out was the whole shot um, came out of the string and flicked over and hit me in the, in the thigh. Yeah. And I went back to the house and pulled a, a hole shot out of another bow and put it in there and went outside and everything shot just fine. And, you know, the uh, the number one thing that I was worried about were the axles. But I didn't realize until that happened, you know, when I came back and I checked the axles that we've got a new axle design with a much thicker axle. Yeah. And so it, it everything was fine, man. I stuck another one in and, and I didn't even have to, I think I might've had to put a half a twist into one of the cables to bring the timing back in just to, uh, I'm talking, it was out like less than a 16th. So that was it. That was all it did. It was, it was quite impressive actually, but I was in a full panic because I was due to go on that <laughs> hunt with Jeremy and like, Two days, you know. <laughs> and we yeah, sent well, you I mean, one of our brand new bows way early, and you oh, I know. tried to 
and I, I dry fired it. Yeah. You got to <laughs> test it. I mean, we do it 1500 times. So you're allowed one, I guess. I know. I know. I, I think that the, the full fledged dry fire is a little different than that dry fire machine, but, uh, um, it, it held up. It was a, it was a testament to Hoyt tough. You gotta be tough to be my equipment, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Welcome to a special episode of the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferris, and today I'm joined by the gentlemen behind the scenes that make the world go round at, uh, at Hoyt headquarters, and we're going to be talking to everybody about the 2024 line. Uh, we've got Zach Kurtzals, our, our president. We've got Brian Gold, our product engineering manager, and Jeremy Eldridge, our marketing director, Welcome to the podcast, boys. Welcome back for a couple of you. Or have you been on it, Brian? Have you been on an episode already? Yeah, at least one. We've done two or three, I believe. Okay. Well, you were you were on with uh with my counterpart and not me, but um privilege to have all you boys and to talk about the new line that I'm really excited about. Um why don't you start us out, Brian, because you're really the nuts and bolts of the operation. Um, I got my new bow a couple of months ago now. We were just telling the story about how I broke my bow in <laughs> <laughs> and it passed the, uh, the, the tough test. That's for darn sure. But I was, you know, it, it always intrigues me that you guys have to just when you th- honestly, the RX-7 was a bow that I really felt like it was just the best one I had ever shot. And when you think that you've got one where uh, the technology, how much farther can the technology advance? How much quieter can it get? How much deader in the hand can it get? But you managed to pull it off. This RX-8 that I'm shooting is a noticeable step above and beyond, Uh, especially in uh, the noise and vibration category. I feel like yeah. it's just, how is, how do you do that year after year? How do you find places to improve upon? Yeah. Well, I mean, the year over year, you know, can definitely be difficult. I would say this year, um, I mean, this project, we, we've kind of been running on it a little longer than some of our other products and our primary focus was around efficiency. So, you know, when you, when you mentioned sound and vibration, the improvements that we made, one of the critical things to bring attention to is that from RX-7 to RX-8, we don't have limb shocks, we don't have shock pods, um, but we've got improvements in, in the shot experience. Um, our primary focus as an engineering team for this cycle was through efficiency. Um, I would say as far as products go in the industry, we've performed really well in that category, but we've also you know, used rubber damping components, uh, were applicable to, uh, to improve as much as we can. And that shock and residual, that overall shot experience. And, you know, I think it's a testament to what the team was able to do this year to improve that experience while removing those damping components, saving some weight, um, and executing what we did in RX-8. Yeah. It's unbelievable because that's one of the first things that you notice was those shock pods are 
are gone. Um, it cleaned up the, the look and you would, it's gotta be hard. Is it, is it all just come down to geometry? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, it's got a whole new motor and transmission and a little bit of chassis involved. I mean, you know, the, I think model wise, uh, you know, visually it's going to look similar, but you're, we're talking new pockets, new rockers, new dowels, new limbs, new axles, new bearings, um, new modules and, and configurations, uh, new cam while the cam still falls within the HBX family, uh, a whole new cam configuration to pair with the components. Um, and, and it is a really, really efficient setup when it comes to performance. Yeah. I, I noticed that the, uh, the limb pocket seemed to be a little bit wider and the limbs were a little bit wider. Um, and I did not realize uh what had been done why don't you describe what's been done on the axles yeah so uh most of the bone models we've had up to this point have been 316 axles um i would say across the board we don't from a stress standpoint that that axle and the materials that we use there uh, are more than adequate um but what we were looking uh, looking to, to make some upgrades to is how that whole assembly comes together in the back end. Mm -hmm. So that new quarter inch axle allows us to tap uh, into the ends of that, into the ends of the axle, and then basically bolt that whole assembly together. So now you get zero tolerance assembly, um, no spacer gaps, more specifically, no eclipse, no shims on the outside. Um, you can drive that assembly all the way to zero. Um, and that's, that's part of what's helping in, in that uh, overall sound and vibration aspect and the 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 wider limbs what uh what's the story behind them um that's i mean nothing specific in those being wider i guess as much as anything we were targeting a spring rate that we needed uh, we wanted to uh more efficiently store energy uh, one of the things that you'll notice is that the stroke of the cam and the way the limb translates that's all been changed from you know prior generations and so uh one of the things that you know, it's, it's kind of a hidden uh, benefit is that we're, you know, a few years ago, if you remember our change from like, I think it was Nitrum up to Defiant, uh, we had part of that campaign where, you know, we had uh, a bow that, that acted a few inches longer. It was effective axle to axle. We brought some attention to that in, that in the new development of that limit cam system. This is the kind of the next iteration of that. Um, you're going to have, you know, uh, our 30 inch bows are now going to be effectively longer than our 31 inch bows. So the new RX-8, uh, the new Alpha X, um, Alpha X, for example, is longer than the VTM 31 when it comes to effective uh, string angle of full draw. Mm -hmm. um, so it can accommodate a longer draw length. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. I mean, I think as you get down into shorter bows, you're going to, you're going to find yourself, especially if you're on the longer draw end, you're going to find yourself being more comfortable. Um, you know, my, I, I, for the last couple of years, I've been running RX seven ultra, which I really like. And, uh, I can tell that, you know, just that little bit broader string angle actually, actually makes it feel more like my straddles 36 and, you know, my anchor points and everything transition, uh, the transition between hunting bow and target bow is significantly less for me this year. So potentially the guys that are used to shooting an ultra like me, I've been an ultra fan for a very, very long time. And I've gotten very used to that uh, wider string angle at full draw. And a lot of times when I go to a shorter bow, 
I have a hard time because I don't feel like my anchor is the same and I don't feel it because I've got a more acute string angle. So you're saying basically that I might feel more comfortable with the shorter bows than I, than I have in the past. Yeah, you absolutely will for sure. Which is cool because uh, there's a lot of advantages to using those shorter bows in a lot of situations, especially for the whitetail hunter and tree stand or confined quarters out of ground blinds, things like that. Um, and let's see, the next thing that I wanted to ask about um, was the grip and anything that has changed with that. Um, nothing significantly. Alpha X did get uh, a little changing cross section front to back. So you'll notice just where your finger placement is and how you land on the riser. You may notice a little difference from VTM, uh, but in carbon, those are basically identical. Okay. And on the Alpha X, is it a little bit narrower on the back? Is that what it is? No, not on the back. A little bit thinner. Front to back. Yeah, just a little bit thinner front to back. I think, Danny, you said, is it narrow on the back? It's not a- on the back. Yeah. It, really? Is it? The shape of the grip, the grip is the same. It's still the vital point grip. Okay. But the amount of, of aluminum that sticks out from the front of the grip to the end, to the front of the bow is now narrower, if that makes sense. Yeah. Less aluminum that, out the front. That yeah. makes that makes perfect sense. Let's see. One of the things that I really fell in love with when I was out with Jeremy uh, testing these bows was uh the new the new legs and i don't know that we've i don't know the the technical name of the new legs just yet <laughs> it's the ghost sticks 2.0 the ghost sticks 2.0 those man They're those awesome. were sweet yeah. super sweet yeah, yeah those and, are uh from those of you that are familiar with the ghost sticks those screwed in and were just in a fixed position and uh the new one the 2.0 it's a really cool design. It's a lot like a high-end gun pot, a bow pot, or sorry, a gun bipod. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now those yeah. legs have four positions. One goes straight out in front, basically next to your stabilizer, just kind of get out of the way if you don't want them sticking out the bottom. One will tuck back tight against the riser. Again, if you want to put your bow away in your bow case or something, you can tuck it back. But then the other two positions, one of them – it goes in a position so you can lean your bow forward onto your front stabilizer. So now it's effectively sitting like a tripod and it's a really stable position. Or the other position is similar to our current go sticks where you can tip your bow back and it sits on your back cam. And then the back cam also has a new little, uh, we call it the, the cam stand. It's a little nub on the cam with a piece of rubber in it to keep your string groove out of the dirt. So you got two positions to to stand the bow up out in the field and two positions to get the ghost sticks out of the way for putting it away in your back, in your bow case or strapping it to your backpack. So a big improvement. It's those things are really cool. Like I'm, I'll never do a hunt without ghost sticks on my bow again. They're so nice. Anytime you want a glass or if you're elk hunting or you need to call or you just stop and get something out of your pack or getting out of your truck and need to set your bow down instead of lean it against your tire whatever like think about the million reasons you set your bow down and have to find somewhere to lean it now you just set it down right on the ghost sticks those things are a game changer so. they 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 really are and uh the 
the adjustability that this 2.0 version comes with makes it so that you can create a bigger triangle, so to speak, especially yeah. if you're using the bottom mounted uh, stabilizer port um, and you have a little bit longer stabilizer in the front, you change that angle to swoop back just a little bit. And now this is much, it's feel like the old ones were really only designed for a concrete floor for the shooting range. These, it seems much more usable out in the field. Like you can set it down on angles and things like that, and it's not going to tip near as easily. And then, um, what was the uh, the the piece on the bottom of the cam? What did you say that was called again? Because that was ingenious. Yeah, the little, the, the little cam stand or kickstand. Yeah, the cam stand just to keep your string out of the dirt because we all used to set it down right there, and you'd eventually get a little bit of serving wear, um, and that doesn't happen anymore now. Super cool. Um, so what what bow are you excited about this year, Zach? Well, my 31-inch draw length um, keeps me pretty focused on the longer axle axle version. So I'm shooting the Alpha X33. Had the opportunity to take it on an elk hunt this year. It was pretty good. Uh, but it's been a it's been a really every year I feel like we talk about this, right? What what our initial experiences are, <clears throat> so on and so forth. But but these are there's been a this has been a pretty major breakthrough as far as just the stability and the ease of shooting like this this platform comes a long ways and I'll, i think it's more uh <clears throat> it's the sum of the parts rather than you know just the cam or just the lamb or or what have you it's kind of the whole package that brian and the engineering team put together that um when you talk about shot experience um this thing kind of hits on on all cylinders when it comes to that um, if you start with smooth draw, you know, efficiency you talked about, that just drives us straight to, um, you know, do we get more speed for, for less work? That, that ultimately is the question in the efficiency side of things. But ultimately, maybe he doesn't have to store as much energy in order to get that shot off at the same speed, which can, can translate into a better feel. So um, for me, it was just, it was a very much a wow when it came to the first few times I shot the bow um, and then, you know, getting the bow put together. And, and because I had this elk hunt, waited 19 years for this tag, I was pretty serious about getting ready for it. So I shot a lot every day. Uh, I'd shoot anywhere from 30 to 100 arrows and got really comfortable with the bow. Um, and then I carried it for 16 days and hiked about 200 miles with it in my hand. And literally beat the snot out of it and um i'll tell you what when you when you go three or four or five days in those kind of hunting conditions where you're really just hammering through oak brush and and steep terrain and all of those things i can't tell you how many times i smashed my cam into the side of the mountain because we were climbing something so steep that it was just part of the step you know yeah and five days in, you're like, maybe I ought to shoot an arrow out of this thing and see where it hits. And it lands in the dot and you go, yeah, I'm still good. Yeah. So <laughs> not that I ever had a doubt, but you know, there's, it's just, there's the, the little birdie on your shoulder that's like, you probably ought to shoot this, make sure, because you don't want to regret it. But man, yeah. I, I've never hunted harder in my life. And to have to have that platform there and to have and just the confidence that it was just going to perform when that shot did make it present itself. Yeah, it was awesome. And I think that that's not new for Hoyt, right? Our durability is legendary. 
Um, you know, I think you even said at Hoyt Tough. Yeah. But when you get the realization, when you actually put one through it, and it's a brand new one, and I, I mean, there was a few of them out there running around on the mountains, but we didn't have a pile of shots through them. So, um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm getting ready to take it to Montana. Well, it paid off for you, man. Uh, that bull that you took was gorgeous. I'm super jealous because I just ate a tag. Um, but that was a spectacular <laughs> bull, and congratulations on him. And it was it was it a good shot. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I maybe maybe sometimes people would be think it would be a controversial shot. I shot him head on, full frontal. Um, full frontal. Yeah, he was. Um, he popped into an opening about 104 yards from us. We were calling him in, and my good friend Darren Cooper was 70 yards behind me, which. If you've ever hunted with Darren Cooper on elk, you'll know I immediately had an advantage because he's probably one of the best callers in the world. And uh, so, you know, he, he called that bull in, and I think it was under a minute and a half from probably about 150 yards away. And when he, he popped into our opening, he was at 104. Ryan Carter was with me. He was ranging next to me. And I don't remember how many times he told me the number, but I said, just keep telling me the number until I shoot. And the last one he told me was 49 and a half. And uh, I put the 50 right on the front of his neck and let her eat. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. the rest was red. That's awesome. It was a, it, it was a beautiful <laughs> bull. So um, Jeremy, which, which bow are you shooting this year? I'm shooting the same bow as Zach, the alpha X 33. And uh <clears throat> I guess for no other reason than that was the first prototype Brian had ready for me. The carbon, there wasn't a carbon ready and there was an Alpha mm-hmm. X ready and I shot it and I'm like, yep, this will do. This thing feels good. And, uh, and it was, it was, uh, we painted it in the gray, the new tombstone we have. And as soon as it was off and put together in that gray, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting rid of this thing. This thing looks too good, shoots too good. And, um, so that's what I hunted with. I hunted yep. deer and elk with it and I'll be, heading out with you in a couple weeks hunt whitetails with it so it's it's uh i don't know it's got to be it's easy to say this because i'm supposed yeah. to say something like this but it really is probably the my favorite bow i've ever shot it just feels so good and then the new cam which we haven't talked about yet uh you know quarter inch draw length adjustment so you can get more dialed into your draw length it has uh, 75 80 and 85 percent let off adjustment so you can get the fill you want there and then it has also, there's a foot on the cam and in one position, it's a hard wall. And in another position, it's even a, an extra hard wall, harder wall. So the, you can just customize the way this cam feels to what, to your exact draw length, not within a half inch. I mean, none of us always land on a half inch. So it's nice to have that quarter inch of adjustment so you can even get dialed in better. And then to, to dial in your let off and the, the wall you want to fill. So, yeah, I love Love this bow. It shoots so good for me. It's on. Leave it to the marketing guy to steal my thunder. I was fixing to ask Brian about those adjustments on that, on that cam, but you, you led right into it. Um, Well, (laughs) first, Brian, I was, I was going to ask you which one you're most excited about, which one you're shooting. Um, I think that your opinion on this weighs heavily with people. Um, and then I was going to go into the cam. Yeah, uh, I started 
Okay. I, I started uh, our early prototypes since the uh, Alpha series was such a dramatic change from VTM, Venom Pro, Venom. I started with an Alpha X, and so I've had one of those going for a few months during you know, final prototyping and up through production. Uh, but as I mentioned before, I've been an RX-7 Ultra guy for the last few, you know, last couple of years since before we launched that bow. Um, just get along with the axle to axle and draw cycle, the position that I am in the module, I'm shooting right around 29 and a half generally. So that's that's a pretty good spot for a feel on that, that bow. And I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, went ahead and grabbed an RX-8 Ultra just to give that a, a run i thought i might want to take it to kansas and uh, i just set it up and that's that's what i'll be running uh, on a couple whitetail trips here coming up in the next few weeks is the rx8 ultra oh man it, it i it's the finest bow that i've ever shot it, like literally i can i can i did not think it would be possible to notice a, a significant difference between it and the rx7 the, I, more than any bow over the last 20 years the rx7 is one that i did not want to put down yeah um and the, you've you've absolutely done it now let's talk about some of those adjustments in in the cam that were added to this cam system because it's it's remarkable that we've got quarter inch quarter inch adjustments available now um talk about the adjustments on that wall just like jeremy just did um and then which bows all of that is it available through the entire line or part of the line now Yep. Um, so, I mean, a couple additional updates. Jeremy covered quarter inch draw length adjustment, uh, the expansion of the let off range. Um, we did uh, add an additional module. So, in the HBX Pro and HBX, we had a number three module and a number two to cover the range. Um, we've now added a number one module to the bottom end. We felt like there was a, there was some opportunity to improve performance and those lower draw lengths, especially for for anyone wanting to shoot uh, those longer bows. Um, so that crossover will now hit 26 inches on the short bow, 27 on the uh, Alpha X33, and then 28 in the RX8 Ultra. So you get a performance boost, and we had some, you know, especially some Western customers looking for, you know, could could we get a number one mod or can we get some, you know, a performance bump? So you'll see draw length positions while we advertise a lot of our, you know, our thirty inch draw numbers will advertise similarly. You will have some draw lengths in in those number two and number one ranges that will pick up as much as six to eight feet a second, which is a you know a big boost when you're on the shorter end of the draw range. Um. And let me see. I wanted to ask you about the we, we've got integrated sidebar mounts on everything now, correct? Uh, yes. SL sidebar mount. Yeah. Yep. All four models have the same setup and, there. Um, I, I will say just one more thing. We were talking about the uh, the wall mm -hmm. adjustment. I think just just a, a additional explanation there. I think it's important to understand. Jeremy talked about a hard and extra hard, and so you know if you if you've come to enjoy the experience from a uh, you know from a wall and a, a shot expansion standpoint with HBX or HBX Pro, that is what the hard se uh, setting on that cam represents. So we basically took what we were providing in those cam systems and just mimicked it into our hard setting, which is the 
the softer of the two really. And then we've implemented the extra hard position. That's the way we're shipping the bows. Um, so as you come off, I'm going to say, you know, A, B, C position, that, that hard spot's probably going to be pretty comfortable. As you get into D, E, F, as you lower into that cam, that's where that extra hard wall is really going to show a big benefit. And so for me shooting a, a, a ultra, I'm into the number two mod. I'm a position off the top. I normally shoot 29 and a half, uh, to, to kind of accommodate my, my shot cycle, instead of running that 29 and a half and a little bit softer feel, I actually am running 29 and three quarters. So I'm up a quarter inch from draw length, uh, because I have that adjustability now, and then I'm running that hard wall. So it gives me a little, uh, you know, a, a little more stable platform to pull against and execute. Um, and like you said, I mean, I, I'm a, I was a big fan of our RX-7 Ultra, um, but I'm, I've been shooting the RX-8 Ultra significantly better. And that just comes down to the fact that I can make those small tweaks to my personal inputs on the bow. Yeah. And really customize it to it, the feel that you want to achieve. Yep. So one question I had, uh, Jeremy really was walking me through some of the big advantages to this, to the, to the lower stabilizer mounts that you guys have incorporated the last few years, because I've been one that's been slowly coming over to the idea of using that now in all actuality, the ghost sticks, the, the, the new ghost sticks 2.0. And once I figured out what could be done with those and that bottom stabilizer mount, that's helping to helping to get me over the curve a little bit. But um, he, he was really talking to me about the benefits of having that weight lower on the bow. Can you talk about that just a little bit and having that uh, that versatility and how you're running your stabilizers these days? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, when we introduced that feature, um, that's one of those, it's a little bit out, out of the box. You didn't really see it in the industry at all. Um, we were one of the, uh, the first to bring it to the table really now. Now we have a few competitors that have, that have attempted to offer their version of that. Um, but uh, for us, it's about uh, optimization. And so, you know, you're going to strap, uh, I would say, 10 years ago, we were all shooting five pin, maybe seven pin sights. They were fixed. They weighed a few ounces. When you get into the sights today that most people want to shoot, you know, me included, um, they have range finders built into them. You know, they've got um, the five pins and they're on a slider. And in, in most cases, you're talking about a sight that's three quarters of a pound to over a pound, mm -hmm. maybe a pound and a quarter. And so that the stabilizer position just below the grip really isn't all that efficient in offsetting that weight. You've got a ton of weight uh, above your hand, well, well, much higher above your hand than where the standard stabilizer mount is. And so when the engineering team kind of went into the development of the new bows, it was really adapting to the market trends. If, if feature rich, um, really fun to shoot, long range adjustable sights are going to be a key component of the market, then we're going to adapt the design of the bow to pair with those. And so we've got the, you know, our lower stabilizer position and our shortstop stabilizer that we uh, include with each of our uh, RX-8 and Alpha-X models. And then we also incorporated the SL sidebar mount, which is just a direct taper mount into the side of the riser. And what we had dealt with in the past was, you know, uh, we designed all of our risers with a tech bar. Uh, we believe it's a it's a stiffer and, and a better way to design our, our risers. Uh, but because of that, it, it uh, changes where we can, uh, you know, it, it creates some limitations in terms of where we can mount those rear stabilizers. And now that we've dropped in the SL sidebar mount into the side of that riser, we can position it anywhere along the structure. And so... Uh, 
the Alpha X series, the RX-8 series, those represent the lowest mounting positions we've ever had on not only the front stabilizer, but also on that sidebar, SL sidebar mount location as well, um, which is offsetting and moving weight as far away from your hand uh, down the bow as possible to offset the, uh, the weight of the side. So, um, I mean, obviously we're not gonna use video here, but this is something that I use as a representation where I've got a Garmin sight, a four-hour quiver, and everything attached to this with go sticks, and my bow is neutrally balanced top to bottom and front to back. And for me, I get really quick target acquisitions. I don't have to pull hard to you know tip the front of the bow up. Um, the bow holds much better there, and obviously it's way nicer to carry on the mountain or into the stand. Neutrally balanced at the throat of the grip. Yeah, and yep. you know that's something that I have talked about for years as you know one of Hoyt's biggest advantages and uh, you know there's there's so many people with different opinions and feels and things like that but I've been asked lots of times over the years you know what it is about a Hoyt that I really like and for the most part Hoyt's have generally that was the point where they were designed to balance was at the throat of the grip. And I've always told people for a lack of a better way of describing it, they aim well, they point well, they, they're very stable at full draw. And what you were just describing with the, you know, increased weights of uh, your, your sights um, and, and the weight that you have up at the top of the bow basically moving those accessories down keeps that balance point right there at the throat of the grip is what you're saying. And probably, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, probably that's keeps it to like, like I was saying, how do you describe that? Do you know how that feels at full draw? It just enables you to aim better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the things uh, most, our tech bar gives us advantage in that space because um, it's going to put some weight behind your hand and it allows you some more flexibility to add a heavier sight further out in front of you if you want to. It allows you to add more front stabilizer weight or a go sticks or a longer lower stabilizer if you want, if that's your preference. What I notice is that on a hunting bow, because I want um, as high a let off as I can as I can legally use so I can stay at full draw under the, you know, the shooting circumstances I may find myself in. If I get a bow too front heavy, what I, what I notice is a little, you know, like it's a twitch, right? I come to full draw, the weights are way in front of my hand, the string tension's low because I want low holding weight. And what I end up with is this little back and forth sight picture. And, you know, if I can get the weight, the, the bow balanced and kind of that weight neutralized, then that acquires the target quickly. It settles quickly and then I can execute faster and with, with more confidence. Well, you're much more articulate uh, when it comes to describing that than I am. I need to record that so that I can repeat it when, <laughs> when asked. Um, that was a much better description. I know. I was just saying, you know, the the best boy I've ever shot. I don't know why it just holds so well. I, I know. He, he all, so. spelled that out a whole <laughs> lot better than I'm capable of spelling it out. Um, while we're on risers a little bit, why don't we talk about the uh, some of the, um, especially the Alpha X riser, some of the new changes in it. And I know that we talked about it having a little bit thinner grip, but it's also got an integrated Picatinny um, and it's ready for all of the inline accessories that are available for it. Now talk about some of the, uh, some of the features of that, of that new alpha X riser. 
Yeah, um, it, I mean, it definitely represents a ground up design. So, I mean, one of the things that you'll notice if I start on the top or bottom end uh, is that it's got a shorter pocket span. It's got a different pocket. Um, and again, kind of on the premise of efficiency, uh, we really, we looked at every component and ways that we could save weight. We could save weight into the riser, or maybe if we couldn't save it in the riser, we could save it in the pocket attachment. So like in this case, um, it, with the fact that we we were targeting some performance or, and, and feature updates around cams and axles, you know, quarter inch axles aren't lighter than three sixteenths axles you know, quarter inch ID bearings are not lighter than three sixteenths. And so we knew we were going to have to save some weight in other areas. So uh, Eric, uh, one of our uh, newest engineers, he did an awesome job just on the structure design of this handle and ended up saving us right around a quarter pound on the, on just the riser itself, which gave us some additional flexibility in, in putting weight where we needed to with other components. We've got a new roller mount attachment system. Um, it's just a cleaner look. We've been using a couple bolts on a lap joint. You're going to see some small, you know, some small tweaks and upgrades around where we placed medallions, um, how we mount the roller guard. Uh, to us, that's a little more in the details work to just make that whole system come together and be a little more refined. Um, the quiver mounts are an area uh, to just be a, to, to at least speak to quickly. The quiver mounts are going to work with all of our current quivers in the market. Uh, the Alpha X series will come with a uh, hang tag in that quiver area. It's going to come with two bolts, and those bolts are going to be uh, a shorter length. Um, so depending on if you have, you know, if you're carrying over an older quiver, then uh, you're going to need to use those shorter bolts. Um, on the on the new Alpha X series, but that's not something you'll see on our X8. Uh, we've still got the um, Garmin trigger routing option, so that's something that you know for Garmin users. Uh, there's a few of us in, in here, and uh, you know I think that's a, a pretty clean execution of of how to mount your your trigger um, for that setup. Um, and then we've got you know one of the things that's kind of been in a white product for a while is you know we occasionally get get the comment about you know how to install the drop cord and you know do I go around the tech bar do I go inside the tech bar we've expanded some cutouts in that riser and now you just go straight through it with with uh, no contact well it's it's cleaner and I feel like it's more protected that way for some reason I I for sure. I think that it's a really good addition and the I really liked the, the I, were there any changes to the quivers this year no no changes to quivers same quiver line the inline Super quivers tight. They get super tight. Like I'm running the stretch. I have the stretch quiver on my Alpha X33 and it is, it's all but touching my bow. It's so tight to my bow. I have the, a pick rail sight. So the sight's out of the way. I have an integrate rest. So the rest is out of the way. And then the quiver is all the way over. And also it's so tight. All I'm running is a six inch front stabilizer. I'm not even running a sidebar. And it, I mean, I could and be fine, but it balances well how it is. So yeah, the quivers are the same, but they. I was going to say you can throw a sidebar on there, but man, with your with your inline sight and that quiver tucked up as tight as you can get those quivers, there's man, it's negligible whether there's a need for it or not for hunting applications anyway. Yeah, for sure. What's I gotta have, I gotta have a pile of weight on the left side, but that's just because of <laughs> my knuckle. So <laughs> tell a little more about that now. Well, people, I mean, people always ask me the first thing that I saw one of the, from when I posted my bull on, on social media was like, he doesn't even use a Hoyt quiver. And it's like, I use a Hoyt quiver, 
when I'm in a tree stand, but when I'm out stomping around in the weeds <clears throat> or on the mountain, um, just the natural way that I grip a bow, I put a lot of pressure on my index knuckle on my bow hand, puts a lot of pressure on the shelf for me. And so I have to put a pretty significant uh-huh. sidebar mount on my bows. Um, but, you know, the, our system gives me that option. And, you know, so for you, where you can run almost no weight off the left side or no weight, I'm running like right. 16 ounces off the left hand side and back back some distance. And that is the reason why I use that stabilizer that mounts to the or they, the, the quiver that mounts the stabilizer hole because that moves all of that weight to the left side of the bow, which helps me. Right, right. Uh, this, this is all by virtue of just how you grip the bow. That's it. Yeah, which everybody's going to grip it just a little I bit different. I just anatomically, the way my knuckle pushes on that shelf, it drives a ton of pressure that way. So Right. Well, um, let's see. Why don't we go down – through the line bow by bow jeremy um if you if you want to do that talk about each one and kind of the the benefits of that one and what consumer you think needs to uh where you know who it's going to benefit the most yeah so like in the past we got we have two we have two premier bows the alpha x 30 series and the rx8 series and within both of those series two bows so the alpha x 30 30 inch axle to axle bow and an Alpha X 33, 33 inch axle to axle bow. And then on the RX 8, we've got a RX 8 30 and an RX 8 Ultra, which is a 34 inch axle to axle bow. So two premier bows and within those two premier bows, two offerings. Um, and the question I always get is, well, which one? And, and I've spent a lot of time trying to help people figure out which one, but it's this year with this lineup and really the last couple of years, it's become really obvious. Um, but it's just even more obvious this year. Like the answer I'm giving people is either like you want to shoot the alpha series, shoot it. You want to shoot the RX eight series, shoot it. They're both series, both bows shoot so well, are so quiet, are so smooth. I, that's what I just tell people. Shoot either one. It doesn't matter. They're all, they're all, you know, awesome bows. So, Obviously, there's, you know, the 30-inch axle-to-axle bows. It just depends, you know, what a guy likes. But if he likes a shorter bow, go with the 30-inch. If you like a little bit longer bow, longer string angle, longer axle-to-axle, then you got the 33 and the Alpha and the 30 and the Ultra and the RX-8. Uh, and then a lot of that, too, depending on, you know, how, how much you pay attention to performance, every one of those bows is going to fall in a different spot as far as where the, the modules land in your draw length. So there'll be a position that may be more optimized for your draw length in one model than in the other models. So you'll get a little more speed out of your draw length in an Alpha X33 than you would in an RX8 Ultra maybe. So, and that just all depends where you land in your draw length. Right. Uh, it's funny. You're, you're talking about, people asking, do I need to be shooting the carbon line, the aluminum line? And I, you know, the last few years I've been a carbon guy. Like I just, I, it, I loved that riser. I loved the feel. I, I felt like I saved a little bit of weight, but what's funny is your aluminum riser keeps getting lighter and lighter and lighter and closer and closer and closer. And this year I had the opportunity to go out and we, we were on a hunt together uh, during August. Jeremy and I were, and we I think we had a, a couple of the very first ones to 
to leave the shop and Jeremy was shooting the Alpha X and I was shooting the RX-8 and we had the opportunity to sit there and swap and shoot both of them side by side out in the field and holy smokes man you know it like I, I could I could see myself switching sides at some point, you know, and, yeah. and honestly, when you look at the mass weights, especially of the shorter aluminum boat, you're, you're right there with the carbon bows, very close, getting very close. Yeah. That Alpha X riser, like Brian was talking about, they did such a good job of getting weight out of that. It's, I mean, it's one of the more intricate machining jobs I've seen. And, and at first, when I first saw it, I was like, ask Brian, like, does this pass our dry fire test? Like this thing looks really light. And he's like, yeah, it passes. So, um, if you haven't seen it, those of you listening, you can, you know, get on our bow builder, yeah. build the Alpha X and really rotate it and twist it and look at all the cool angles of it. Cause it's one of the coolest machine risers I've ever seen. It is really slick. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I didn't mean to slow your roll there. Go ahead and move down the, down the list, but I want to give my two cents about that. It's, it's, <laughs> you're going to have a hard time. You got to put both of them in your hand and and shoot them a bit that's the only way to figure that out nobody can really tell you that answer yeah yeah you do need to go shoot them because they're every one of them shoots shoots really good the rest of the lineup uh, a lot of bows uh carrying over z1s which is our speed bow is still in the lineup high line our long draw bow still in the lineup the eclipse and the torex series and the cobalt our youth bow everything's still in the lineup so um those bows carry over and then alpha X series and RX eight series are all new for 24. Um, so just to be clear, did the, uh, the Z one S or the Highline get any of the new technologies at all, or are they basically carry over from last year? They carried over unchanged. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, um, a couple new colors. We've got the tombstone color, which is a gray, which is awesome. Looks, yeah. It looks really sick. It's cool. Cool color. And then we've added Kuyu Vias as an option for limbs only. Um, and a lot of people are going to wonder why only on the limbs. Um, just the way that film dips, um, the risers, it, it doesn't look, it kind of blows out, doesn't look good really on our risers, but our limbs will dip really well. And so we've offered that as a limb option. So you can order bows a half out. You can get it any, any color, any solid color riser with the Kuyu Vias limbs. Um, the tombstone and Vias looks really good. The blackout and Vias looks really good. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, our, our, uh, other camel colors carrying over the two Sitka colors, EV2 and subalpine carryover, origin Raptor, uh, carries over and, uh, Kuyu Verde carries over and Realtree. So all the colors you're used to, plus a couple new ones. Well, so with that said, like, can you give us any insight into future focuses or the, what's in the hopper? What do you do after this? Like, hey, you know, I could have said the same thing after the RX-7. That it baffles me with you guys. You engineers, man, you're you're like magicians. You uh, probably, can't go, probably can't get any better. So if you're waiting to buy a bow, you should stop waiting. This is the year. Just get your bow because they're not going to get better than this. <laughs> <laughs> he'll say that again next year that's that's exactly right but uh man you guys 
really did do a bang up job. And, uh, and I was tickled to death to be able to put these, the test early and boy, did I put it to the test? Uh, I don't know that anybody got to hear that story going in, but literally I was sent a, uh, brand new RX eight to go on this hunt with Jeremy in, uh, in August and decided to take it out and try and shoot an antelope real quick before I joined him on this hunt. Long story short, I ended up dry firing that bow and I mean, dry fired it two days before I ended up going on this hunt and was immediately uh, just a stressed out mess. What have I done? What have I messed up on this bow? And to be quite honest, the, the one of the uh, string silencers, the uh, whole shot pieces flew out of the string. And that is the only thing that happened with this bow. I put a new one in and wham, I was ready to go. And I, I, I had to applaud you engineers um, <laughs> because it, it really, it, I don't think that it can withstand a better test than putting it in an idiot's hand <laughs> and uh, <laughs> letting him have had it. But we were out on that hunt hunting two days later. And uh, um, that's something that I take a lot of pride in carrying a Hoyt around with me because I know that it's going to hold up to uh, not only the, the terrain that I, that, and the situations that I put it in out there, like Zach was describing, but to uh, accidents like that, to where you've got a bow that can withstand that kind of, that kind of abuse. Yeah. I, I'll have to say, I probably prefer Zach's method of kind of, you know, bouncing around on the mountain and beating it on the rocks to your preferred method. But uh, <laughs> field testing is field testing and uh, we appreciate all the feedback. Oh man. Well, I don't want to do it again. It was a little bit scary, but you know, the point is the bow is, is not only does it look good, does it feel good? Does it shoot good? It stands up, it stands up to the test. And, um, is there anything that you guys have in closing that you want to add that you're really excited about for this year? I mean, I just add, you know, normally when we launch new bows, availability is sometimes, um, you know, not the best. There's a few bows in the shops and not a lot to choose from. I and mean, it takes us a while to get the pipeline filled. But um, Zach, you know, his marching orders uh, as the president has been, we're going to land a pile of bows on our launch date. So there's inventory on hand. And um, and we hit that goal this year. And there's going to be bows in the shops the day we launch. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, I wonder how long it's going to take to get a bow man, it's probably hanging in the shop waiting for you. And um, that's something new for us, to be quite honest. So we're pretty excited about that. Have inventory out there and go, you know, find your bow, test shoot it and take it home, man. We're, we've worked hard to get to this point and we're excited about it. Well, that's awesome. Take Jeremy's cue, guys. You're not going to be disappointed. Get down to your local pro shop, shoot the RX-8, shoot the Alpha X. You're going to have a hard time deciding. They are... Uh, a dramatic step forward in in bow design bow efficiency i'm tickled to death to be shooting one this year i appreciate you guys joining us and uh hope everybody enjoyed it get down to your shop put a hoit in your hand and uh and give them a try right on thanks danny yep thanks thanks danny